Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hello and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive into the happenings of the hospitality industry. Now, sometimes there's a focus on culture, sometimes there's a focus on travel trends, and sometimes there's a focus on passion projects, but it all comes back to the industry. So I am over my hiatus. I've been traveling a lot and I am back. And I mean like really back, like back to work in a major way. And October has landed with a bang and it's like events are back and restaurants are opening and festivals are happening. And it is super, super busy. So just a couple of the things I've done in just the last few days. So there's a lot of sad tears and happy tears going on around town because Kathy Hollinger uh, has left her role as executive director of the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. And she's moving on to Greater Washington Partnership. And we're all so happy for her. But we're so happy that there are like a thousand goodbye and good luck parties. So um, there was a fabulous luncheon for her over at Et Voila over on MacArthur. And quite frankly, I haven't been there in a while. And God, I forgot how delicious that restaurant is. They also have an amazing private dining room uh, for those of you, believe it or not, it's time to start thinking about holiday parties. Uh, they have a great uh, room, sit down 20 to 25 people, definitely one to keep uh, back in your Rolodex or back in your mind uh, for parties because they do a great job. The RMW actually threw a We Will Miss You Kathy party at the Salt Line. I am seated and it was so great to be up there with all these area leaders in the industry, not just sharing our admiration for Kathy, but sort of getting back into the th the way of the industry, given everything that's happened over the last two and a half years. Uh, it was just, everybody just felt really good. Uh, and the salt line, of course, knows how to throw a party. Now, I did finally make it out to Thompson Italian in Falls Church. Virginia's a hike for me, what can I tell you? But everything you hear about the pastas there are true. They're excellent. And if I may, the staff is incredibly hospitable and really terrific. On a Sunday night, that place was packed and uh, they just did an amazing job. I also stopped back into Hyder Karoom's Chloe down in the Navy Yard. That place is always on point, whether you are there for a quick bite at the bar or a casual date or a special occasion, it really hits all the marks no matter what you're there for. Those crispy potatoes are totally addictive and both David and I ordered the salmon with the late summer corn and string beans because not only did it sound delicious, it was delicious. And of course, I fasted for Yom Kippur, as I do every year. I do the dry fast. I'm not like those people that drink during Yom Kippur. I do not drink. I do not eat for 24 hours. Um, but I also host break every year, which keeps me super busy. So aside from my baking, let's see, I made a patty yinages, a marble pound cake, the apple cider donut cake, a creme brulee French toast, um, and I did a Dolce de Leche icebox cake. And believe it or not, I could not find Dolce de Leche anywhere. So I had to make my own Dolce de Leche, which actually was not that hard, but I was a little nervous. Um, we also ordered a massive platter of smoked fish from Ivy City, because they have the best fish in the city, and bagels and cream cheese from Call Your Mother, because at every breakfast, there are bagels, cream cheese, and smoked fish. And if you didn't know that, now you know. 
Okay, now I still am hearing from you all because I'm not posting on social the way I usually do. My brain is still on vacation time, but I am slowly moving back in. My team is up and running on Twitter. Facebook is also happening. It's the Instagram, but it's coming. Just hold on. So follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for not just things you hear here today, but uh, for everything going on in the DC metro area. Okay, so now on to today's show. Last week was the historic White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health. Now, I know this doesn't sound like rocket science, but if people eat healthy, they are less likely to suffer from illness. Um, but access to fresh fruit and vegetables and other non-processed foods are unavailable and out of reach for so many. Now, this isn't the first time on this show that we've talked about food deserts or the economic disparity when it comes to access. In fact, actually, at that conference, Representative Jim McGovern said that hunger should be illegal. And he's not wrong. Um, so with me today are people who are trying to make hunger a thing of the past. Um, through another issue that we also talk a lot about on this show, which is eliminating food waste. So Kate Urbank and Colleen Gillespie are both of Food Rescue US, and it's a nonprofit food recovery organization that works with volunteers that pick up donations and then bring it to community organizations. And with Kate and Colleen to talk about this amazing organization and the process are Dave Kiefer, I hope I said that right, Dave, close, yes, and his son, Luther, who I'm very excited to talk to. We're going to talk about their organization, um, and, uh, To Be Well Fed, and Chris Holland, who is the community relations manager for Wegmans. So all of them work together to help get food to the people who need it. So we're going to talk about all of that right now. So Kate, let's start with you. Thanks so much for joining me today and helping me put this panel together. Oh, of course. Happy to have the opportunity. So, Kate, why don't we talk a little bit about you? Because you started volunteering for food rescue in Connecticut, right? Like, how did how did you get involved with food rescue? I was on the board of directors of another nonprofit that dealt in the food space. And through that, I got to learn about other agencies in Fairfield County, Connecticut. And the one that really attracted my attention was... At the time, it was called Community Plates. We've since changed the name to Food Rescue US. But what I loved about it is it used technology, an app to be able to connect volunteers up, um, on their own schedule to go literally shopping in an app to find opportunities to pick up food from uh, businesses that did not want to waste and drop it sometimes 10 minutes down the road to an agency that uh, assisted the food insecure. So I became a huge fan I loved uh, the opportunity to, you know, honestly, I would arrive to pick up food and people were thrilled to have an opportunity to donate and not waste it. And then I just 10 minutes later, drop it off and realize that I was making the nonprofit agencies day by providing them with largely fresh, healthy food. So uh, there's no uh, warehousing of the food. It was really for the volunteers to just pick up and drop off. And so I became enthralled with the nonprofit. And when I moved back to Washington, DC, um, I went looking to volunteer for whatever food rescue program was on the ground that used the technology and the volunteer base, and there wasn't one. Um, but I connected with the DC Food Recovery Working Group, which is a group of people committed to um, working to reduce food waste, whether it's composting or food donation. And um, they indeed said, yes, we're hoping to get a program such as 
uh, community plates launched here in DC. So with that, I was off and running. I was grateful to Spike Mendelson, who uh, was really instrumental as uh, chairman of the Food Policy Council to help uh, kick off this process because he's a big anti-food waste guy and we the pizza, um, big donors from the very beginning across their location. So, um, you know, just networking and a little bit of grit. And before you knew it, we started to have a program. So well, let's talk about this program and how it works. Cause I think people would assume that you're like, if you're picking up from restaurants, like where are you delivering them to? Like, how do you pick, how do you, how do you source the pickups and how do you source the deliveries? Well, Sometimes food donors come to us. They um, have heard through media, which is why it's so important to have opportunities like this. So businesses that don't want to waste can realize that there is a solution. Um, so they, um, we have a conversation. I learn about what they have to donate, whether it's a, an event, um, whether it's a regular donation daily or uh, such as with Wegmans or whether it's, you know, from the World Bank on, on Friday afternoons or National Geographic two days a week. So I kind of get to know the food donor and understand what they have to provide. And I have a, a map that I created really that just is my opportunity to see what's the closest logical place that this food donation would match the type and amount of food. Obviously, if there's... Um, no kitchen at a nonprofit that assists the food insecure, they wouldn't want raw chicken and raw, raw produce. So I kind of take all that into consideration. And now with um, Colleen helping me, I'm, I'm so fortified and, and grateful for that. But we really just um, onboard agencies that need food, such as to be well fed. And I kind of craft um, the best possible matches out there in the community. And, um, and then we list all the pickup instructions so that you know anybody just can follow along and all the drop off and it's they all on an app it's on an app it's actually a web-based app it's not something you'll find in the um app store or on google play but if you go to foodrescue.us that's where you find our app and you can download it to a mobile device and it operates like any app and and just every morning we make sure all of our rescues are claimed um, and then we stand by to make sure the day goes smoothly. Colleen and I will occasionally uh, fill in where needed to make sure, because once we tell a food donor we're going to pick up from you, we don't want to leave them high and dry. So we make that commitment. And by the same token, the agencies that are looking for food are, are kind of relying on that food. We have some places that literally heat it up as soon as they get it and serve it within 45 minutes. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How does that transition work? Like, you mentioned Spike and We the Pizza. So isn't that food coming late night? Like how how are how are you doing that? And then how are you finding the people who are like, yeah, I can get it at one o'clock in the morning. So how how is that working? Well, because we don't have any warehousing, we do direct transport. So in fact, when a restaurant such as We the Pizza has a donation, they hold it over overnight. And because they want to have a bounty of opportunity to select your favorite slice as they're closing at, I believe, 11 p.m., um, there's guaranteed food would be waste. But no, because they think it through and they, at the end of the evening, box it up and then we come in the morning. And, and it is a dilemma when a, a nonprofit, when an event happens in the city and they say, can you come at 1030 at night? And so that's one of the things that, you know, we're trying to crack the code to figure out how do we rescue that food? 
um, because the agencies have to be open in order to accept it. So um, we're coming up with some clever ways to try to, you know, get a little bit of refrigeration space or something, because sometimes we just need to bridge the gap between the evening and the next morning when the agencies are open. But for the most part, we do our rescues during, you know, seven days a week, but the bulk of them, I would say Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. Okay. And so you guys are super flexible, which I think is really amazing. And let's talk about some of your outreach, like other than media opportunities. Is is it just word of mouth? Like, how do you find, I mean, we're going to talk to Chris, we're going to talk to Dave and Luther, but how do you go about finding people? Like, who are some of the people that you give to other than, oh. who are some of the big organizations that you well, give well, we work with um, DC Central Kitchen, another key um, proponent of the work that really helped us launch. We we love our partners at DC Central Kitchen. We even do rescues from World Central Kitchen when they're in town and they do cooking trainings and they have surplus paella and we place it or um, whenever they do a registration drive or something. So we, we're standing by to rescue from um, large, uh, that's a food donor as opposed to an agency, right. but um so, you know, all the all the big ones, we kind of help as needed. We do a lot of um, bread rescues from Leon Bakery, which is the largest artisanal bakery in the city, um, in the DMV. And so um, we we place food where it's needed. But I think what's special about our nonprofit is if you're kind of Googling food insecure organizations in the district, you may not catch that there is a English as a second language um, group for uh individuals in Herndon, Virginia that are um, using food to gather parents together for important meetings. So we, we can kind of go to that granular level with a very small effort. Um, we um, Or we will uh, deliver food to DC Central Kitchen um, from the DuPont Circle Fresh Farm Market. So um, it's, it's, you know, we have uh, actually 320 agencies registered in our app, all looking for food. And I would like to say that we've serviced them all, but that's not the case. Sometimes it's because they're a little bit, we, we started in DC, kind of went into Northern Virginia, and now we go into parts of Montgomery County and PG County. And it's kind of as far as the program. I mean, if there's a donor within 20 minutes from an agency, then we consider that our radius. But, um, you know, we're working and, and with the addition of Colleen on the staff, and we're really hoping to be able to go further and do more and service more of these agencies that are looking for food. But of course, there's plenty of food out there. It's it's getting the word out about the fact that we can do that rescue. And we rescue um, prepared food. We rescue from farmer's markets. We do a lot of corporate cafeterias, um, some small grocery stores. You know, the Capital Area Food Bank does a great job of gleaning some of the larger stores. We were so thrilled when Wegmans came to town. And through our association with DC Central Kitchen, and, and Chris can talk about that, we were able to kind of partner and together glean uh, the Wegmans market, which was huge because organizations like To Be Well Fed, um, that's the volume that they need to be able to stock their pantry. So, um, yeah, how do we do this? We... Um, we just, uh, you know, word gets out. People hear that there's an organization that potentially can get them free, healthy food. And trust me, um, people contact us and, and yeah. try to get in line. I have no doubt. All right, great. Uh, that's the perfect segue. So on uh, that point, Kate, thanks so much. I'm going to go to Chris. I mean, Kate, you use the word glean. And, um, you know, when I think of glean, I think of 
uh, farms, farmers markets, you know, gleaning is getting rid of the product, you know, the product on the ground that nobody's going to take to market. And so, you know, like in my work with, um, uh, with, um, central farm markets and fresh farm markets, you know, they've always been trying to find volunteers to go out to the farms and glean the farms to get those products at places like DC Central Kitchen and other places can use. They call it ugly fruit or ugly vegetables, you know, because it's not sellable. So um, I love that we can glean markets too, right, Chris? So Chris is joining us from Wegmans. Chris, uh, you're the community relations manager. This is at the new Wegmans? Uh, yes, I'm, so I'm based at our store in uh, D.C. in the Tenley Town area, but I work uh, all across the region. Okay, so tell us a little bit how Wegmans, you know, Wegmans is like mythic, right? You know, everybody's <laughs> oh my God, have you been to Wegmans? You know, because it 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 is this all-encompassing market. Can you tell us a little bit about the mission of Wegmans and now coming to D.C., the first one, sort of how you guys are doing this outreach into the community? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, you know, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, we like to say that we're uh, a caring company with a passion for food. And I think that really sums up how we how we approach all aspects of our business. Um, so really, when it comes to our, our community outreach, you know, like any any uh, organization, we have our priorities in our in our focus areas. Um, so for us, it's education and youth support, economic mobility. Uh, community collaboration, uh, but most importantly, um, health, which includes food insecurity and which includes the work that we're talking about here today. Mm -hmm. um, and specific to our store in DC and Northwest, we're very much supported to, uh, uh, very much committed to supporting the entire aspect of the district, all areas of the district. You know, we may be located in Ward 3, um, but we're trying to be mindful of both where our customers are coming from, which we've seen have been in all wards all across the district, but also where our employees live. We think that's an important factor to come uh, to take into consideration as well as we're giving back to the community. Well, I think that's a really interesting point because uh, the area that you are in is a very, very expensive area for people to live in. So I assume your employees are from outside of that area predominantly and uh, taking care of them must be a priority. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we do want to support Ward 3 where our store is because that's important. Um, but we also, you know, we want to help the organizations like 2B Well-Fed um, that are doing the work right in the community where some of our folks are living. Well, so let's talk about how you guys go about doing that. And I hope you don't mind if I bore you for just two seconds with the story. Years ago, like 15 years ago, I got contacted by this director who was doing a movie called... Um, dumpster dive. I think it was called dive, but it was all about dumpster diving. And they were, they were these California guys, um, you know, they were not hard up for money, but they were, they did an experiment for a year and they had young kids at the time and families and uh, they dumpster uh, for one year at uh, uh, Trader Joe's and Whole Foods specific. Sorry, there were no Wegmans out West. So, but his point was, that all this food was going to waste. That, you know, if there was one egg broken in a carton, they'd throw the rest of the eggs away. Do you know what I mean? So he was like, all this food can go to other areas. And I think there's been a dramatic shift in grocery stores in the last 15 years. So how has Wegmans changed that narrative? Yeah, great example. And I think I've actually have seen that film too, as you described it. Um, 
I think, you know, for us, it, it, it was a shift in our thought process because, you know, it's not just, it's not just me. It's not, you know, our store leadership, even making those decisions. It's that employee that's, you know, working in dairy that sees the carton of eggs that has one that's broken in, you know, 11 that are still good. And, and what's the process that they follow from that point? And, and how do we really deep root with our employees, how to divert food and how to rescue as much food as possible. And we found that it's been very easy because our employees want to do that. You know, we, we all want to save what we can and we all want to give to, to those that um, could use the items. So it's really, it started at that level of just changing the thought process, changing the workflow um, of what our employees are doing in all those each individual departments and setting that, that, that process in place. And, in, and it's been good results. Just our store here in DC that opened in July um, we typically uh, rescue about four to 5,000 pounds worth of food each week. Wow. And so when we talk about rescuing that much food for the uninitiated who really don't, it's not just a broken egg and the rest of the eggs are okay. There's also food expiration. There's also a time that like there are ugly fruit and vegetables or fruit and vegetables that maybe they got a day or two left. Like, how do you guys do that? How does Wegmans handle that so that you can work with organizations like Kate's and others? Yeah, that's a great question. And we work at that on that on a corporate level. So working with our food safety experts um, and, you know, all of our folks in the office that know, hey, listen, this prepared food item, we're saying that it's uh, maybe good on the shelf for two days, but that's really for food quality. That's for us to be able to deliver the best that we want to our customers. But really, it can still be good for another two or three days beyond that date. So setting all those guidelines in place for the different products that we have, um, and then being able to work with our food bank partners, following those guidelines with that employee working in dairy or with that employee working in produce that's, you know, that's uh, pulling the, the ugly fruit. So given that you're new to the area, relatively so, um, how did you find an organization like with Kate and Colleen? Yeah, great question. So I had some familiarity with uh, Food Rescue US DC. Um, so I knew that they'd existed and we just really hadn't had the opportunity to connect where, you know, like Kate mentioned, there's a lot of specifics of, you know, point A to point B. Um, and then of course we were very familiar with DC Central Kitchen um, being a, a well-known, um, you know, organization doing a lot of different great things beyond just uh, food recovery and food insecurity. Um, so connecting with both of those partners and what worked out really perfectly is what they were looking for was completely opposite. So DC Central Kitchen was looking for the bulk items. They were looking for the unprepared things that they could use for you know, their culinary training program or for their various programs that they use to food folks. And then Kate and her team were looking for more of the prepared food items and those types of things that they can connect uh, with, with the smaller organizations. And I think honestly, what, what Kate and what that organization does fills such a need because there are those, there are the DC central kitchens, there are the capillary food banks that have those resources to collect a lot of items. But how do retailers like Wegmans, how do we find the way to connect with the two B well feds? Yeah, no, I think, and we'll we'll get to uh, Dave and Luther in a second. I think that that's really important because listen, we all know DC Central Kitchen. It's one of the biggest charities here in DC and uh, Robert Edgard and now, you know, Mike Curtin have done incredible things with that organization. Um, but, you know, and the Capillary Food Bank, I mean, you know, share our strength. I mean, there's lots of people doing lots of things to help feed people. But I think Kate mentioned something earlier that really spoke to me, which is getting down to that granular level. There are so many people who are missed that those big organizations don't get. And that's not a criticism. That's just a 
it's just the way it is. So, you know, I think some people may sometimes say like, why do we need all these organizations? Can't they all work together? But people are getting missed because we need other organizations to see people who are sort of below the line somewhere. So I love that Wegmans, you know, recognizes that and realizes you just don't need one partner you need lots of partners to be successful. Absolutely. And it makes me think of too, just to kind of share this too, of how we do all, all of our community outreach effort, even beyond uh, what we, we do uh, when it comes to food rescue. You know, we have a small team of employees at our stores that live in the community that help make those decisions and help guide those dollars. And, you know, very similar to what, what Kate's doing. It's like we've, we've recognized that they have that ability, they have that knowledge, and we want them to share that with us and help making those decisions. Well, I mean, I think that's really important for people to give you that feedback. Um, you know, it's, I, and I'm sure Kate and Colleen can speak to this later, but it's, you know, it's really great to want to do things for others, but you have to know that there's the need there or how to get it to them in the way that works for them, right? So it's, that is really a priority to hear what the needs are and to understand the best way to get it to them. Uh, with dignity, you know, so that people feel that it's a relationship. Yeah, definitely. It is. It's all about relationships. Exactly. All right, uh, Chris, I'm going to come back to you at the end. Um, but we've been talking a lot about uh, Dave and Luther and their nonprofit to be well fed. So I want to bring them on right now. Um, hi, Dave and Luther. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So Luther, I have to ask, like, what's the deal, man? You're not in school? Yeah, uh, I'm missing three days. I'm in Michigan. Uh, <laughs> in our house up here, and so we need some people on site. Okay. Not much importance. No, it is not. But I, as a mom, I had to ask, like, what your deal was. So now I know. And no, I fully believe travel is way more important, and you need to do things like that. So I'm with you and your dad. So um, Dave and Luther, I'd love to know more about To Be Well Fed. Who wants to start telling me about it? Sure. Well, I, you know, I'll start with sort of the genesis of it. Um, through my my main job, I was working with a school in um, the Congress Heights neighborhood of um, Ward 8 in Southeast DC, um, which is a neighborhood that, that generally speaking is known for having a sort of a food desert. Um, the, the neighborhood does have a lot of violence in it. Um, my organization works around literacy, and so we're working with teaching students how to learn how to read. And there was an article in the Washington Post about a second grader whose um, father had been shot and killed in front of the school during the school day, and how that had impacted his life and all of the things uh, about his life. And it was in the Washington Post a couple of years ago. Um, and I started to think about how we're pouring all of this effort into helping these kids learn how to read. But if they are, have a home life in which they don't have access to consistent food and they rely on food or on school for their food, mm. what happens over the weekend, for example, when school is not feeding them and they come back to school on Monday and they're hungry, they haven't had a good weekend, um, how much that impacts their ability to access what we're trying to teach them during the school day. Um, and so that really began um, with my wife, Alicia, and I deciding um, in, in concert with a, a sermon that we had heard that we would provide a weekend of meals for five students at this one particular school each week. Um, and that we would, uh, so on Thursday nights, we would go to Giant and we would buy a lot of non-perishable items. So instant oatmeals, soups, snack packs, fruit 
things like that, that that kids could take home with them on Friday afternoon. I'd drop it off on Friday morning with the school. Um, the idea is that the school knows best who the food needs to go to. Mm-hmm. So they provide it to those students. The kids can take it home and eat that food over the weekend. And then that was, you know, pre-pandemic. We've been in operation for a bit over five years. And so things really changed during the pandemic. Um, and we grew from feeding students at one school to two schools and then three schools. Um, so at that- this point, how are you funding it? Because yeah. this is before your relationship here, right? It, it was, yeah. So when we first got started, what we decided we'd do was initially we were just budgeting ourselves like, a hundred bucks on a Thursday night to go out and buy food for these five families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we started a GoFundMe um, and use Facebook and it was friends and family donating money um, and sort of grew from, from that really folks did respond to that during the pandemic. Um, and, and that's when we started thinking about not just feeding individual students, but feeding their families. Um, and then at that point, um, we had made connections with some folks who also had connections to Kate and her team mm-hmm. um, and they brought us together and that really changed the entire dynamic of what we were doing. Well, sure. I mean, I'd, I'd have to imagine, I mean, not that there does not need to be some financial investment in what you're doing, but having, um, being able to access the products from a Wegmans, for example, doing the gleaning, so to speak, you know, you're, you're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah, we weren't. And we were, we were buying a lot of food from Costco and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it was just, it was all sort of mac and cheese boxes, canned food, all of these things. And one of the pieces of feedback that we had gotten, because we did surveys with parents Sure. One of the pieces of feedback that we've gotten was, hey, we'd love some fresh food, some 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 fruit, some vegetables, some other things that aren't but Don't bought. you think, honestly, Dave, don't you think that's also part of the process, right? Like the the conversation is people need food, but they don't need just any food. I mean, they need food that is nutritious. They need food that is healthy. And if it's a part of their lives, they will be better off, right? Like when we talk about food deserts or access and disparity, it's because what's available. You know what I mean? It's that, yeah. And it's that that a lot of times food rescue or or sorry, food um, donations is things like a bag of garbanzo beans, which is nice, but that's assuming that a family can go home and cook a bag of garbanzo beans and make something that people want to eat and feed all of that. Whereas, you know, what is I think great about the Wegmans prepared meals, frankly, is, you know, you're getting all of these dishes um, that are, are ready to, to microwave literally mm-hmm. to heat back up um, spaghetti and meatballs um, and delicious food like um, wontons and dumplings, um, you know, Kung Pao chicken, lots of different prepared meals that don't make the assumption that the family receiving it has a full-scale kitchen with pots and pans and slow cookers and everything else that the rest of us may have Mm -hmm. in the time to do that um, in order to turn around a meal when they have so much other stress in their lives in the neighborhood. I think that's a really good point. Luther, I'd love to know how you got involved with this. Um, So at the beginning, I always went with dad to the giant to pick out the meals because I can run around the aisles fast and pick things out. Mm-hmm. And 
then on Fridays I'd go with him sometimes to drop them off, but uh that started later because I had school when we were doing the drop offs later in the day. And then well, when we started doing rescues, we had Target for a while and I went with mom early in the mornings on Tuesdays and Thursdays to pick stuff up. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun because even though it was like cold and I didn't want to get out of bed because nobody wants to get out of bed at six o'clock. I don't want to get out of bed at six o'clock. Yeah, but it was still fun to know that like I'm helping somebody else. And so, yeah. It's- I think that is um, really commendable for real. But I also think that you bring a very important uh, viewpoint when you're going grocery shopping with your parents because you are 13 and you know what you like to eat, right? So you could probably say to your parents, yeah, it's a good idea, but who's gonna eat that, right? Like, do you bring your viewpoint to the table, so to speak? Um, yeah, a couple of times a giant uh, dad has gone like, hey, we should get this cream of mushroom, but no child <laughs> eats that. And so like scoop choices and things like that. Uh, like I kind of suggested things, but uh, it was mostly dad who told me what to get. I picked it out, but yeah, I think that the fact that I'm younger and I know what most kids eat, it's helpful for making bags and stuff and like getting a different viewpoint. And my parents know me and what I like to eat. And so they can use that. Well, I think that's, I think it is very helpful. And since we're trying to not just feed kids, but families in general, it, and I, I do think Dave, you brought up a really good point some people don't have full kitchens. They don't even, they have a hot plate or, you know, maybe they don't have pots and pans or they don't have a can opener. I mean, there's all these, um, these things that we, when we have a house and we have a kitchen and we cook and we do things, we don't think about what people don't have to make eating, which we all take for granted, you know, easier and healthier to do. Yeah, and I think you know one of the one of the aspects that Luther's really brought to the fore too is is as a parent, you know, it's not until you experience it as a parent that you recognize how much, even though you recognize it for yourself, how much feeding your child impacts their behavior and their ability to, to handle things, right? And so Luther's talked a lot about how you know he hasn't had the experience going to school hungry. But if you did have to go to school hungry, how much that impacts everything that then happens around um, how people judge your behavior sure. and, and your responsiveness to things and, and how that can can lead you down a different different pathway. Um, you know, we had during the pandemic, the opportunity, Luther sort of talked a little bit about it, but he would go on deliveries with me and he could do class from the car. Sure. So he would be in class in the van as we dropped off food across town, um, which was, you know, an amazing opportunity that we had that a lot of kids, you know, didn't necessarily have during that time period, mm. uh, that kind of connectivity and, and that sort of flexibility. Um, and so I think trying to bring some of the um, resources and opportunity, um, like Chris was talking about, that we have available to us in Ward 3 and bring it to the community in Ward 8 um, and help them um, access those same sort of resources is really what we're trying to do at, at To Be Well Fed and think about it, not just from single student perspective, but how do we help start to, to change the to whole. what we can a community there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I think that's um, really amazing. And uh, I, everybody here on this podcast, you know, wants the same thing, right? Everybody is looking for ways to, to help. Um, so Colleen, I'm gonna bring you in on that point. Uh, Dave and Luther don't go anywhere. I will bring you back in at the end. So Colleen and I go way back. That's right. <laughs> I know Colleen from her restaurant days. That's right. Um, <laughs> she's been around. She's been on my other show, Foodie and the Beast. Um, so Colleen, you left the industry. What happened? Uh, you know, I don't know if I can remember. Uh, it was just time for me. Um, you know, I spent some time back in New Jersey with my family. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had this opportunity with Kate. You know, I had was in New Jersey. I had really gotten into... Um, Food insecurity and looking at food waste prevention and food insecurity prevention. Um, my group, my parents are, you know, they have this mobile farmers market that goes to areas in the in the Philadelphia area that are food deserts, and I kind of wanted to get into that. Mm. Um, and I met up with Kate, and uh, it became, you know, it was an obvious thing for me to jump back down here to DC and, and to work with her uh, for food rescue. Uh, you know, I saw so much waste in restaurants. And from doing events and watching everything kind of just, you had nowhere to put it. And I didn't know about Kate's organization while I was running restaurants. So it was so nice to, to know that this was going on and that I could be a part, a part of it with her. And how do you function? Like, are you helping making partnerships? Like, how are both of you taking care of, like, the growth, especially now that things are, like, back up and running? Like, I can't help but think of, like, I'm going to the human rights campaign gala at the convention center. Like, are you partnered with the convention center? Are you partnered with the stadium? Like, are you part, like, are you partnered with some of these people who like have that kind of massive food waste? So we're getting more into it. You know, it is what we met and Kate mentioned before. One of our issues is that, you know, these events end at 10 30, 11 o'clock at night and we don't have the facilities to store the food overnight. Um, I have a friend who's a caterer who, who is an events manager, events planner. She called me a few Tuesdays ago. She's like, I'm at Capitol Hill. I'm at an event that's about to end it. And they overordered. She's like, I have so much food. What can we do? And we repackaged it and shoved it into my very small fridge <laughs> until I was able to take it in the morning to another place. And it's those, you know, we're trying to, to pivot and to kind of figure out a new way to have more restaurants get involved by writing us into their BEO by saying, you know, to the host, do you sign off on, on donating all this food to Food Rescue US? And then, you know, those restaurants will keep it in their walk-ins until we're able to get it in the morning. Right, that's um, so, Yeah, so partnering with the venues that can hold on to the food for us is huge. Sure. Absolutely huge. Um, it's just us kind of getting around this obstacle of not having the space that we need to, to store this food from the, you know, from venues, from catering events, from restaurants that, that are, you know, having buyouts and, and, and have so much food that they're, they're not able to do anything. With. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think was hard for people uh, a long time ago when it came to food rescue from events, not from like a Wegmans where, you know, you're cleaning food products and things of that nature, but um, was, there was a lot of like rules and restrictions about temperature and I, you have to keep things a certain way and stuff like that. So how do you, how do you negate that? How do you make sure that that's not an issue? 
I mean, there are, um, so Bill Emerson laws are huge. And I think that the more information that restaurants and catering events have about food donations um, is, is huge. And that's kind of part of our project as well is, is providing the information that they need to know that they're safe to give us this food. You know, there are certain red tape issues, but you know, once we know the situation, we can be like, okay, any food that hasn't been put out in the buffet, we will take. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes them think about that and kind right. of be like, okay, okay, put over minutes left. Right. Right. There's minutes left at this event. I don't need to put a whole new thing of sliders out, or I don't need to replenish this mac and cheese, or I don't need like to think, be conscious about it and be like, you know what? There's 10 minutes left. No one's going to. Nobody's coming. No one's coming. Right. <laughs> the buffet is over. Right. Um, so kind of to think, you know, there is that mentality in restaurants where you're like, you can't have an empty plate. Everyone has to see that there's food there. Um, but kind of reprogramming and re, you know, uh, relearning really to be like, okay, this is wasteful. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's be better at, you know, ordering for this event. Like let's guide our, our guests and our hosts. Be like, you know what? You might not need, you know, you don't need 300, but I, I, right. I think what's interesting about it, though, is it is that there's so much talk about the lack, right? The lack of food for those in need. And then there's also talk about food waste. I mean, we do have these two issues and they really answer each other. It's just being more intentional for people in the food industry, especially the restaurant industry, um, being more intentional with the food they have. Like I'm thinking like last week, it was a taste of Bethesda on Saturday. And so all these 40 restaurants ordered all this food, they probably prepped most of it. And then the event got canceled because of the rain. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh no. Right? So, I mean, I, I don't know what you do about that. Like that's a, that's a major stuff happens kinds of things, but yeah, to that now I know those poor restaurants lost a lot of money, but what did they do with all that food? Because they couldn't save all of it. Right. Mm -hmm. so those are the kinds of conversations that I think are so important and especially what food rescue is doing. Like those are to me, next steps. You know what I mean? Right. Our goal is to be, that instantaneous spot where I have, you know, at the restaurant, I have now, you know, I over ordered or I had a, an extra case of tomatoes come in for from my distributor and I have nothing to do with them. We want their first thought to be, we should call Colleen and Kate. Right. We should have them come get this. So that's kind of like our move with restaurants and, and catering events is to kind of have us be their emergency. Hey, this happened today. We need you right. to come help us. I love that. And I, I, I'm thinking afterwards of people to put the two of you in touch with that might make sense. But uh, that part aside, you guys have an event coming up, which I'm in Yes. <laughs> We're super excited. Everyone on this call will be there. We're super excited You're to excited. have you all with us. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about uh, the Yeah, it's on uh, Tuesday, October 18th. So coming right around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, it's called We Rescue. And we're hosting it at uh, the Gallery O on H Street in Northeast. It's a super cool, unique uh, gallery that is both indoor, outdoor, it's an indoor gallery, with an outdoor courtyard, um, just like a just a great space. Um, and we're having a lot of our uh, participating food donors that we work with every day 
donating food to the event. It's because we're, you know, we're trying to mitigate waste at this event. I know talking about waste right. <laughs> from events, we're, we're doing our best to mitigate that here. I know. I was like, um, how many people after the event are like leaving and driving out to like drop stuff off? Yeah, exactly. We'll have boxes to go so everyone can pack up and go. Okay. Um, so we have, uh, you know, Call Your Mother Deli. We have Leon Bakery, Bake by AL, uh, Compliments Only, Dealing Catering. So we have a lot of people donating food to us, which is amazing. And then we'll also have some friends there serving their food all purpose, the pie shop, um, you know, District Donut. And then, of course, we have uh, Ryan Gordon, who owns Rambo Moore's and the Queen Mix, who's in our advisory council. Mm. And he's taking charge of the catering for this event oh. as well. So we'll have his team with us to kind of, you know, a lot of the food that's being donated is for us to prepare, which is a cool aspect. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have some really cool beverage <laughs> options. Our friends at Atlas Brewers is uh, they're making us a beer from rescued peaches and nectarines that yeah. we glean from the farmers markets and from customers markets. So we have, you know, they're making us a beer from rescued peaches, uh, which is kind of it's a cool thing to have. Yeah, that's, that's like, um, I don't know if you know that, uh, like Ruth Gresser every year, like donates her grains from her, her pizzas, and they make beer. I don't think it's Atlas. I think DC Brow does it, but they make beer oh, that right. out of her spent grains. Like, yeah, love that stuff. That stuff totally like speaks to me. All right, Colleen, thank you for that. But Kate, before you give us the wrap up, I just want uh, Dave and Luther Tell us where we can find more info about your organization, how we can get involved, where we can find you guys either online or on Insta. Tell me. Yeah, so we are um, at tobewellfed.org. It's T-O-B-E-W-E-L-L-F-E-D.org. That's the easiest way to find us. Um, but you can also search for us on both Facebook and Instagram under to be well fed one, I think is what our handle is there. Okay. Um, we're also on the Twitters. Okay. Um, so you can see us there and we um, do uh, have a regular newsletter. So if you go to our website, you can also um, subscribe to the newsletter. You can look at past newsletters. You can donate there. I mean, uh, are you looking for volunteers too or just donations? Right now, just donations because capacity wise, trying to manage volunteers is, is sort of tough. Really, it's a, a sort of homegrown operation for us. Um but we do, there are times, for example, the, the Sunday rescue from the DuPont Circle um, Farmer's Market, um, we do use volunteers for that a lot um, to, to make that pick up. And, and I'll, I'll, I will say to that, it's amazing to be able to, to drop off organic, fresh produce at these schools in, in Southeast um, from that market is fantastic. So that's kind of the best way to find us. And, and also just getting the name out there um, is, is really helpful for us as well um, about the work that we're doing. And then the other piece that we are talking about a lot is because I don't think that we're going to get huge. Uh, we may add a fourth school, but trying to encourage people to think about how they can replicate what we're doing. And, that's what and, I was thinking. I, I mean, do it, yeah, with, sense. yeah, and do it without even being having to be a nonprofit. Anybody can pick up extra food on Thursday night at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And there are hungry kids at every single school in the United States. So if you find your counselor, your school counselor, and drop off food with them, they'll know a kid who could benefit from that food. Um, so you don't have to become a 501c3. You don't have to do all of those things in order to make an impact in some kid's life. Um, it, it really is as easy as, as dropping off some extra food with the counselor. 
Thank you so much, Dave. And uh, Luther, I think you need to get your dad on Be Real because that's like the new platform where everybody's talking about what's happening. So come on, dad. <laughs> like, come on. I love your game. I count on you, son. I count on you to bring me into these things. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys. Thank you both so much. And Chris, I mean, we all know Wegmans, but if we want to get involved with you or talk to you, how do we get in touch with you and Wegmans and et cetera, especially with this program? Yeah, definitely. I would say if you want to get in touch with me uh, directly, you can email me. I'll throw that out there because I'm willing to chat with anybody. So mm -hmm. just chris.holland at wegmans.com. So Chris, C-H-R-I-S and Holland, just like the country. Okay. And LinkedIn is also a great resource. Excellent. Okay, great. And uh, Kate, I'm going to swing back to you since you and Colleen work for the same place. We can all find you at the same location. Uh, just give everybody sort of the 411 on uh, the event and uh, where they can buy tickets. And then, of course, how we can participate in food rescue. Yes, you know, I thought about that. Um, I uh, think the best way to get a link to buy tickets would be to email me, kate at foodrescue.us. That's actually the best way to communicate with me about whether you've heard this today and you uh, think you have food to donate or you want to volunteer. Mm -hmm. um, foodrescue.us is our national website. Um, you'd have to go a little deep, but you can find our web page within that that has a direct link to buy tickets, but you just search a little bit, but okay. it can be done. Um, and um, yeah, so it's uh, a week from this coming Tuesday, October 18th. We're still selling tickets. Um, we kept the ticket price as low as we could to still be able to um, advance our work and, and fund what we're trying to do. But it, it really is going to be a lovely crowd. Um, we have a little silent auction, um, jazz trio playing. We're happy to have Nikki as our MC for the night. We'll be doing some cooking demos. So it's going to be a fun time. Um, and, and what's so important is people will be able to see up close and to meet uh, people like Chris and and uh, Dave and his family to really have conversations about what is it that we're doing out there in the community. Um, so anytime I have an opportunity to be um, on a program such as this, you know, we always need volunteers, foodrescue.us, but um, also agencies that are looking for food and especially businesses that wish to donate, uh, please do be in touch because we'll have the conversation and um, most likely we can uh, make it happen. Great. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you all for joining me today. This is a great conversation and real forward motion for what's happening uh, in the uh, food space. Well, that show was literally food for thought. Um, it's hard to believe we live in a country like ours where there's such a glut of food and yet there are so many people who go hungry. And I just love what Kate and Colleen and Dave and Chris, what everybody is doing to eliminate food waste and also eliminate hunger. Uh, these things come together beautifully. And what is needed really is people like you and I uh, who don't do anything. Like how can we help? And it's whether you're writing a check or you're picking up food and dropping it off, there's lots of ways to participate to make sure that we don't waste food and that also people don't go hungry. So check out what Food uh, Rescue US is doing um, and to be well fed. Um, and give Chris Holland at Wegmans a call because clearly they're doing some great things. So special thanks to my guests, Kate Yerbank, Chris Holland, Dave, I'm gonna try pronouncing his last name right, Dave Kiera, 
he rolls that R and I cannot do that. Uh, but and his son Luther of To Be Well Fed and Colleen Gillespie also of Food Rescue US. Uh, and I thank you for joining to me today. So much good stuff is going on out there. I mean, obviously we have this event that I'll be emceeing but there are so many events happening. They are all on the list, areyouonit.com. Uh, so check that out and follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, don't forget to listen to Foodie and the Beast Sundays at 11 on 1500 or go to the list, areyouonit.com and click listen live. Uh, everybody be safe out there and have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC.